This is Josh Mills. And this is John Mills. Welcome back to another episode of Acquired Tastings. We are very excited to have you guys with us today as we are exiting the holiday season, or actually, you know, this will post on New Year's Eve, so Happy New Year's Eve to everybody. We made it through 2020, hopefully. Right. <laughs> I mean, we're we're assuming for the best here and uh, moving moving on to 2021. So it's got to be better. It's going to be better, and I'm I'm really excited to be uh, to be sharing some German wines with you guys this week. Um, so, Dad, what German wine did you decide to do? Well, I'm doing a Spätburgunder, which is a German Pinot Noir. And what are you doing, Josh? I am doing the Selbach Oster uh, 2011 Cabinet Riesling. All right. And then what do you what do you got to eat, Dad? Switzer Schnitzel, which is German pork. I've got twice baked potatoes, and I have I could not find apple strudel, so I opted for apple turnovers. That'll be really good. I'm pretty excited. I have. Absolutely nothing that's German to go with my food. <laughs> We're well, doing. We always do the contrast. Yeah, and so um, we'll get, kind of get into why I chose the food I did. So I have some lamb vindaloo, I have a beef tamale, and I have some hatch green chili mac and cheese. Wow, that sounds good. Yeah, so it's going to be really good. But before we get into this and talk about these wonderful German wines, we got to talk about last week's blind. It was a liquor, that's and right. I thought it was a scotch. Well, how do you spell whiskey, Josh? It depends on where it comes from. Okay. Well, you misspelled whiskey. Oh, man. Because it's Irish whiskey. It was Jamerson's. And I think in a previous episode, we talked about how when Joanne and I were in Ireland and Scotland, she acquired a little taste of Jamerson Irish whiskey. And it is triple distilled, and it's 40%. Yeah, I forgot how. I hadn't had Jamerson in a long time. I forgot how smooth it is. Neat. Well, a lot of times that uh, triple distilling makes it so much smoother. Yeah, it was it was really good. It's a it's a non age stamped, by the way, too. Right. Most uh, are most Irish whiskeys non. That's right. Designated. Yeah. Most. That's right. Well, cool. Well, let's uh let's get into this wonderful wonderful wine. So, like we said, we've got German wine. I'm going to be going first since I've got the white wine. I've got the Selbach Oster, 2011 Riesling, and it is a cabinet level. So. I guess, you know, this is our first time doing German wine, so we got to, we got, there's a lot to talk about because, you know, German, just like when it comes to French wine and even American wines, there's a lot of laws that govern German wines. They have a same kind of leveling systems called the, um, oh shoot, I can't even pronounce it, but they have a German wine level. There's four levels. Most of the time we just get the top two levels. Uh, we'll get what's, quali- what's Qualitas wine and Pratikat wine. Just by the way, to our German listeners, we're doing the best we can yes. with the pronunciation, so yes. bear with us. <laughs> Invite us over and teach us how to speak your language, and we'll definitely be over there to check it out. But So they have Deutschlander wine, which is just it just has to come from Germany, um, only 85% of it. It can only be, it has to be less than 15 ABV and can't have a whole lot of acidity to it. it can only, the minimum acidity has to be... Uh, 3.5 grams per liter. So you hear me talk about this sugar and acid balance that goes on when it comes to German wine, because that's the big thing about German white wine, at least, is the wonderful play of acid and sweetness that goes back and forth. I know dad was worried when I told him I was doing a reasoning. He's like, oh, no, 
going to be one of those sweet things. Well, sometimes Josh has uh, amazed a lot of people about Rieslings. You know, there's a friend that I, uh, she would go down to Crush where Josh was uh, the bartender, and uh, she was astounded because Josh gave her Riesling. She thought the same thing. She thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be so sweet, I'm going to chew it. And it was nice and dry, and she said she loved it. And she told me later that she went out and bought a <laughs> bottle of it. Yeah, so, you know, German wine, you know, we got to, we'll talk about Blue Nun later. But kind of going back to the levels, they have, next level is called Landvine. Land and 85% has to come from one of the land, the regions of Germany. Then you get up into kind of the higher qualities wines, where we get to Qualitas wine. Or it's also marked as QBA. For these, there must be 100% of the grape have to come from a, a, the same region, one of the 13 regions of Germany. They must follow all the laws and all the regulations for that region. So they have to have region and the grape and the ripeness level on the wine itself. And then like the next level above that is what's called Pradikat wine. It used to be called Qualitas wine mean Pradikat. But now they they just call they just call it Pradikat wine. They are superior to the QBA wine, and they also have to have they have to submit for ripeness. So they have to have the ripeness levels, which we'll talk about after we take a taste here in a minute, on the bottle, and they have to be submitted. There are some winemakers that will just make Qualitas wine and not use not use the the ripeness attributions because they don't want to send it in because they want to create a different style of wine. So let's go ahead and start giving this a smell. And dad, what's the first thing you smell when you smell this? Smell some sweetness. I smell, it's very floral. It's like honeysuckle, Josh. Yeah, honeysuckle. It's very floral. There's something else that's very particular to German Riesling that you smell. And you may not want to say it out loud, but it's there. What are you going to say, barnyard? No, Boy. gasoline. Gasoline? It smells like petrol or plastic. Oh my gosh, it does. Plastic or petrol. I didn't catch on that. Yeah, so that's, it's, a, it's a marker as a blind taster. It's a marker of a well-made German Riesling to have, that, have mm. that petrol. Or if you have the other flavors and you don't have that petrol, you can kind of know, hey, well, this is probably not from Germany, even though it is a Riesling. But yeah, you get a lot of that. I get a lot of like minerality, that petrol, the honeysuckle like you're talking about, um, some citrus going on. There's a lot of good citrus, that's right. That honeysuckle. You maybe some uh jasmine, something. You know? Yeah. And like you said, it smells sweet. But go ahead and give it a taste and tell me what you think. Well, first off, well, let's talk about the color. It's beautiful. Yellow, clear. It's clear, you can see through it. Yeah, it's starting to deepen in color. So interesting interesting thing about white wine. So this is a nine-year-old white wine. White wines will actually gain color as they age, mm. whereas red wines lose color. So this is actually starting to deepen in color. And, you know, you get that wonderful golden, yeah. like this kind of pale golden, pale uh, yellow right. kind of look to it. What do you think about the taste? It's sweeter than I expected because mm-hmm. we had that. I just told that story on you about how it was going to be dry. It's not really a dry wine either. Well, but well, what else is going on with that sweetness? I'm going to have to take another taste. Oh, darn. You have to take another taste. Mm-hmm. 
It seems to have a lot of great mouthfeel to it. Is it making your mouth water? Yeah. Do you feel kind of like a yeah. hole at the back of your mouth? Yeah. That's the acid. So that's the that's that talking about when it comes to German Riesling. They'll present fruit forward. They can present even a little bit of sweet, but they're going to pull. Mm-hmm. Gonna, mm-hmm. You're still going to have that play of acid, which makes the wine not feel flabby. So if you have sweet wine that doesn't have acid, it feels kind of just in, out of balance and flabby. Okay. Or if you have wines that don't have enough acid, they can feel just kind of flat. Okay. Um, it's not flat, that's yeah, for sure. No, so. Or flabby. It might make us flabby. <laughs> <laughs> well, while I'm talking about these ripeness levels, why don't you go ahead and get into some so of what the... what are we going to start with, Josh? So let's go ahead and start with the tamale. Okay. And then go um, to the goat vindaloo and then the mac. Oh, okay. So I mentioned that they have to have the ripeness label on there. So when I talked about this wine, I said it was from Selbach Oster. It was from 2019. It was a Riesling, and it was Cabinet. Mm-hmm. So Cabinet means that when the grapes were harvested, it was kind of the normal time and their normal ripeness level. And then this doesn't have, this doesn't say that it's Hobtrocken or if it's Trocken, which are dryness levels. But just from what I can tell from the taste, I'm, and I know the producer, they ferment this all the way dry. So they're not stopping it and leaving any sugar. Because this is only 9% alcohol. Really? Yeah. It's only 9% alcohol, which is kind of a, a hallmark of, of German Rieslings, is they're on the lower side of the alcohol. Okay. So the cabinet level just means it was fully ripe, and it was harvested at its normal time. So the next level after that is called Spate Lesa, and it's the late harvest. So when we think of late harvest wine, we think of sweet wines and, you know, overripe wines. Now at Spate Lesa, they can still ferment it all the way dry. So you get a lot of that extra floridity, even more honey characteristic, but it's still the dryness level and the acid are really balanced. Mm -hmm. Not one kind of goes over the next one. After that, it's Auslesa. Well, the Space Lesa, is it higher in alcohol? Most of the time, they're not. They're all going to be kind of around the same alcohol level. Okay. So, Auslesa. I was hoping they were squeezing some alcohol out of it <laughs> by, by that. Well, I mean, with the sugar process. With, with a higher sugar content, if they're going to a dry ferment, they'll probably mm-hmm. have a little bit of a higher alcohol rate mm-hmm. than the half, than the Hobtrocken. Mm-hmm. But next is Auslesa where they can select the particular grapes that they want to harvest. So they're getting it to these particular levels of sweetness and dryness. So as you let, a, as you let grapes sit on the vine, they get sweeter because the water starts reducing out of them. Mm-hmm. When the water reduces out of it, all that's left is the sugar mm-hmm. in the flavor. So that's Auslesa. It's going to be sweeter than Spätlesa. Okay. Next after that is Baron Auslesa. And Baranaus Lesa are grapes that have been affected by noble rot. Okay, we've talked about Botrytis. Mm-hmm. We've talked about Salterns. The same, the same mold is affecting these grapes. And what that mold does is it also pulls moisture out. Yeah. Okay. So we're getting into those Botrytisized levels. Tokai, Saltern is kind of like a Baranaus Lesa. So it's going to be definitely sweeter. After that, which is even more difficult to make, is called Trockenbarenaus Lesa. <laughs> the name's or, hard enough to, yeah. to say. Well, it's also known as TBA. Oh, okay. TBA is still 
you know, noble rot, all that kind of stuff. But they're they're hand selecting the particular berries that they want to pull out at each time. Oh my! So we're talking like super sweet, but it is very very difficult to make Hmm. because the conditions have to be absolutely perfect first of all to get the noble rot, and then they have to continue to be perfect so that the rot, so that the botrytis can keep doing its magic. To get all the way to this Trocken Baron Oslate. So. Now, it's still a white wine. Yes. Because it's not laying on those skins at all either, right? No. When they press it, they just get the juice out of okay. it. Okay. All right. And then the next layer after that is uh, ice vine. Yeah. Now, ice vine sweetness is about the same level as a Baron Oslate. But what they do is they leave them on the vine so long that it, they, get to, they get frozen. So it's ice wine. And then they actually also press it while the grapes are frozen mm-hmm. so once again all about removing that water to leave that sweetness level and they measure this on what's called must weight so the must is the pressing of the grape and the weight of it is how much sugar content is in yeah. it and they actually send it out for approval for it to be told okay this is a actually a space lace it's not actually an house oh, okay. kind of thing so so while i was chit-chatting about that right. when you were I was I was doing a little tasting. Tell me what you tasted and what you thought. Well, the tamale is not spicy. I guess it was pork. Was that right? beef? Yeah, it's beef. Okay, beef. It is sweet and mates very well with this wine. It's not as much of a contrast as I expected. I expected it to be uh, a complete contrast where I was getting acid flavors and sweet flavors, but... They seem to be sweet, sweet. It definitely kind of pulls, pulls the acid down a little bit and just kind of makes your mouth feel that sweetness a little bit more. But it also, the acid is still there because it's drying out and it's readying you for that next bite. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely ready to get that next bite. Hey, I'm sweet. Yeah, next... Well, and the wine is saying, I'm sweet. Take another bite. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what else did you try with it? Well, I hadn't, that's all I've tried so far. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know I was authorized to do well, any yeah, more than that. <laughs> You can taste however you want to taste it. I mean, this is a really good tamale. It was just a frozen frozen tamale that I steamed at home. Oh, okay. Yeah, this time we both did the grocery store thing. <laughs> it's the holidays. Mm. <laughs> now, what's the, what's the second thing called? Well, it's lamb vindaloo. So it's an Indian dish. Yeah. It's a spicy sauce with lamb on some basmati rice. Yeah, I'm getting some, I'm getting some heat off. Yeah, so... Rieslings are really well known to pair with spicy things. A lot of people say spicy Thai food and Riesling are a match made in heaven because they help each other out. Get spicy, drink something sweet. Get spicy, drink something sweet. So I see. I got to drink something sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Is it spicy? Mm. Not terribly so, but I know if I take another bite, it'll seem hotter. Because... Mm-hmm. What's happening with this curry is it's kind of laying in your mouth, coating your mouth with the warm, and then you're taking a drink of the cold, sweet wine, and your mouth kind of waters for more. But yeah, it, that's a, like you said, I don't know about match made in heaven. Well, this but, is a type. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they say like with spicier stuff, you can actually drink a spate lace or an ounce lace with it because that sweetness works well with the spicy. What I really like in this pairing is the spices of the vindaloo. Oh, okay. 
So like cardamom, the cinnamon, then the clove, all those spices add add those characteristics to the wine. Add a whole nother layer. Know and what kinda, you're saying? Yeah. They add that to the wine and then that creates this interesting play on sweet food. Okay, listeners, if you're hungry right now, turn <laughs> us off. Go eat some food. Yeah. Or eat eat this food with us. Right. That's your other option. Yeah. You've, well, we hope we've planned your dinner for you. All right. But it, it makes me think of sweet food because, you know, you have that kind of sugary sweetness. <laughs> and those. Second pour. I'm sweet. Drink me. That's good. And those, you know, that's a good reason. Yeah. And those it's baking not too sp- sweet. It's not dry. It, uh, and like you said, it pairs very well so far. Yeah. But those, those baking spices and that sweetness kind of make you think of like kind of that apple pie kind of feeling of, you know, of those warming spices and the sweetness. Well, that's good. Have you had this wine before? I have. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. This wine comes from um, a region in Germany called the Mosul. So it's along the Mosul River. It's in western Germany and actually butts up with the French border. Oh, okay. So So it's up north. Well, it's southern Germany. Yeah, okay. Southwestern Germany. And they're actually, I didn't know this, that they've been making... They've been growing grapes there since the Celts and the Romans for over 2,000 years. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and the first recorded, the record of Riesling being grown in this region is from 1435. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, this is, it's... I think this is the oldest region that we have discussed on the podcast, maybe. isn't it? I don't know. I'd have to think about some of the southern, some of the southern French ones we've talked about. True. You know, a really cool thing about... This region, it's in a, it's in the Mosul River Valley, and the sides of the of the valley are so steep, like they can't use tractors on them. Oh, okay. so everything, a lot of it, it's hand harvested, hand taken care of, and sometimes. So it's all gonna, terraced and and no, it's not terraced. Uh, they're actually running vertically. Oh my goodness! Along like the steep line. Oh, okay. So some of them are. Some of them are kind of trestled to where they're run, where they run horizontally on the seep line, but depending on the sun and the wind and everything, some of them actually run straight up and down. Mm. And it's crazy because in this region, you know, in the Mosul and the Rhine and the Rheingau and Faults, all these river regions right there, sometimes they'll actually like to harvest them. They'll have to be like tied off with ropes. Oh, man. So that they can get down to hazardous like, duty. Pattern. Yeah, talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about uh, extreme winemaking here. One of the things that makes the Mosul really great for Riesling is its soil. has has two different slate slate soils. One is blue slate and one is red slate. Blue slate is known to make some of the best Rieslings because it helps to pull the water, kind of goes through, it doesn't sit on it, mm-hmm. and they get a lot of that minerality mm-hmm. from the slate as well. Did you know there are over 500 named vineyards in the Mosul? No, I didn't know that. And it is not very big. Hmm. So Sobach Oster, who we're talking about, who we're drinking their wine today, 
the winery has only been around since the 1800s, but the family has been making wine since like 1660. Wow. So storied tradition here. They grow 98% Riesling and 2% Pinot. Um, Pinot Noir? No, Pinot Blanc. Pinot Blanc, okay. Yeah, there's only, there's only white made, I'm pretty sure, in the Mosul. They're, like I said, they're hand harvesting. They only have 53 acres. So oh, 20, wow. 24 hectares. Yeah, that's They make small. some fantastic stuff. You remember, we actually have met one of the Selbachs. Remember Hannah Selbach? The young German that was at the wine tasting at Clark and Hendrick's house. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's Hannah Selbach. She is w- learning the business and w- working to take over from her father. Oh, okay. So we actually had the opportunity to meet her, and they're, they're a great family. A couple of our friends have been to the vineyard okay. on their trips. Um, I wonder if Clark and Hendrick have. I bet they have. But they're I the mean, owners of Colonial <laughs> right. Wine and Spirits. If you but don't I, know, know. I know Seth and Maggie went to Selbach, Selbach Oster, when they were out there on their trip and said it was really, really cool to see because they were kind of in there during some of the turnover, mm-hmm. some of the harvest season. So it's a, Germany's a really interesting place. They're, they have such storied traditions. And I mean, I mean, we're talking about this, you know, 14, <laughs> 1435, that was before, you know, a lot of those voyages to the New World even happened. Oh, yeah. And they've been making Back it. in the dark ages. They've been making it for so long, it's gotta it's fantastic. They know exactly what to do to make it make it well in all sorts of seasons. So have you gone to the I I've gone to the Mac and Cheese. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious. The the Mac and Cheese is tasting hot. And I think it's because of the of the Indian curry. No, there's hatch green chilies. Okay. Man, you threw me a curveball. <laughs> I I was just sure I was getting the curry. Well, anyway, no, I wanted to I wanted to play up the spice to go with the reason. Well, anyway, the the mac and cheese, the cheese draws out some of the um, acidity of the wine, and then the mac. I mean, you know, the mac's just mac, but that kicked up whatever the spices are. They're probably peppers, I guess. Well, yeah, hatch green chili, chili peppers. Oh, okay. Well, they're doing the same thing that the the Indian food did. It's coating your mouth. It's saying to the wine, hey, you, you need another drink. Your mouth is, is kind of salivating because of it. And, you know, I, these are all good pairings, Josh. Not anything that I would have expected to do myself. Right. Well, and so with this one, it's actually, a sp- <laughs> to me, this is actually spicier than the Vindaloo which is kind of surprising to me. But that spice, so the spice hits the sweet and kind of starts to neutralize it. Yeah. And the fat from the cheese hits the acid and kind of neutralizes it. So I'm getting all these... Flesh. You said it better than I did, but we said the well, same thing. Well, we said the same thing, but I was getting to a different point. I yeah. was saying I'm what I'm tasting is I'm tasting more the floral, tasting more the fruit. Rather than that petrol, that minerality, I'm getting a lot of that fruit because those two main factors are being neutralized out by the food. It's expressing something brand new to me in the wine, which I think is really, really cool, which is one of my favorite things about wine and food pairings. Right. I just took another bite and I saw that green pepper hidden in there, Josh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's good. Mac and cheese. And right, that, that's really good. Now, where'd you get the mac and cheese? Did you make that or... So, 
all three of my things were frozen Trader Joe's. Okay. I mean, you can find tamales in any of your local restaurants if you don't have a Trader Joe's. Same with your Indian food. Go get some spicy Indian food from your favorite local place. Mm-hmm. And then the mac and cheese, you can easily make it yourself if you wanted to. But I just didn't have time today with everything going on with the holidays. Right, I understand. And so, but I think they were really, really good. So, um, one other thing about Riesling is they're actually making sparkling Riesling. Well, I was wondering when, you, when we started talking about the ice wine, because you went into the great detail of how you make a sparkling, and, and you, you, know, you freeze it and whatever. No, freeze it. Well, oh, that's just the, the that's pour, that yeah. little pour. So I was kind of thinking, I wonder if they make sparkling. So yeah. explain, explain the sparkling that they're making. So they, they, German sparkling is called Sket, S-K-E-T. And they follow the, a lot of them will follow the traditional champagne method. So they'll make mm-hmm. the cuvee and, you know, double um, extra ferment in the bottle and then freeze the little piece of yeast and disgorge it out. But it's not actually made from ice wine. So ice wine is so hard to make that it's almost always just in a half. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, I mean... We've talked about this. This can you believe that this is nine years old? No. This is a 2011, and it's tasting still so fresh, so acidic. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the <laughs> that's the thing about riesling. Good riesling can age for decades. Okay. I have been lucky enough to have a early 90s. I don't think I've had an 80s. An early 90s riesling from Joe S. Uh, from Josh Jos S. Prum. And it was still drinking like this. Really? Yeah. It's it's one of those things, like, everyone always thinks, oh, you, can, you can't age white wines. That's true for some of them. But Rieslings are made so well, and they have the good acid and that good sugar that will actually allow it to age for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so if you can find some older Riesling that is of Pradicot or quality wine level, give it a try and see kind of what your what your local shop has to offer. I bought this at Sullivan. Okay. And they had two bottles. I bought a bottle three or four months ago. And when I knew we were doing this, I was like, man, I still hope they have that bottle. <laughs> and it was still, it was still there on the shelf. And yeah. I was like, they don't turn it over the inventory like some. Well, and it's uh, it, around here. It's not something that somebody's going to grab unless they know what they're going That's in for. Right. That's right. So definitely check out some, some of the good age, some of your good quality wine levels. Now, so if you can find something that what you're saying is if you could find something in the nineties, yeah, snatch it up, snatch it up. But even, even as old as this one, like if they would have had more bottles now that you guys have kind of a, an age, I would have probably bought a bottle and said, Hey, keep this in there for me. Because so what year is that one? Nine years old. It's 2011. Right? Oh, okay. All right. So let's talk about the elephant in the room. Well, not an elephant. She's a blue nun. <laughs> okay. Did you ever have blue nun? Of course. Blue nun. So I've heard somebody say, and he's I, a. I don't think she's in here. He's a he's a big he's a he's a very well known psalm. He owns a couple bars in New York Card Terroir. He is a Riesling freak. Absolute love Riesling. He loves all these really good crazy wines. He has blue nun on his list. For those of you that don't know, blue nun was a. Very sweet Riesling that was sold in, in America 
was very popular in the 70s and 80s. But the bad thing that happened with Blue Nun is it gave Riesling a bad name. So just like you were talking about, and just like what a lot of people think Mm -hmm. about, is that Rieslings are just sweet. They're just sugar bombs. Right. All they're good for is your friend who doesn't like wine, give them something sweet to drink. But at the same time, Blue Nun has its place in history because it was one of the first Rieslings that did one of the first German wines that did really, really well Mm. in the United States. So it, it opened the door for more German wine to come in. And, you know, we've talked about the sweetness levels and, you know, talk to your local wine provider and ask them, hey, is this a sweet German Riesling? If it's not, try it out. If it's, if you want something sweet, go for it. But just to kind of know going into it that these things are out there and it's something I think we need to change because there's, we just proved there was not a single piece of fish on this plate. Right. We have pork as a white meat. But you don't, (laughs) once again, you don't have to have seafood with it. Now, sushi is great from what I hear with Riesling. I would think it would be. Because of the salty brininess, sweetness, and all the the flavors that go along with sushi can go really well through Riesling. But I'm I'm all in on the Riesling train, so. But you're not all in on sushi, I know that. No, but I am definitely all in on the Riesling train. I will come to a sushi restaurant with you. I will find something to eat, and we will drink Riesling. And okay. it's going to be fantastic. Right. So, what else you got? I kind of, I kind of got everything. And do you have any other questions about what we've got or German German wine from my notes? So, or? as far as the sweetness level of Riesling, where would you rate this? This I would say is a dry Riesling. It's not off dry. It's above some other dry wines that you're used to having. But what? This is something that I would serve to somebody to change their mind about sweet reason. Okay. Because it has that it has that residual sugar, but it still has all that acid to balance it. Mm-hmm. This shows that the balance that it's a good reason. Yeah. And you could have put it up against probably any cheese that you wanted to. Yeah. Most cheese I thought about doing cheese, but I kinda wanted to do a spi- more spicy yeah. play on it. Okay. All right. So, uh, are we switching over? I think so, unless you've got anything else you want to ask me. No, I think I'm good as far as that. Okay. And so, we're switching over to a Pinot Noir, Facebook under, and I, I want to tell this story, and it's not really bad or good or anything, but so I go to the liquor store, and you know, I'm wandering around, and I couldn't, couldn't find the German wines. Which is a problem, first of all. Right. <laughs> And so I asked somebody, I said, uh, where's your space begonder? And he goes, oh, we don't have any, but we got this Pinot Noir. Okay, guys. <laughs> Pinot Noir, base begonder. That's equivalent. It's the same thing. Yeah, Spate begonder is the Pinot Noir Pinot in German. In German. So, you know, I can't fault my wine monger for not knowing. It was the only German Pinot Noir they had, but I know it's a good one. We've had this one before, Joanne and I have, and maybe you have too. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's red in color because it's a it's a Pinot Noir. Yeah, so this is made by Von Winning. That's right. But yeah, it's it's a light red. It's a ruby ruby red. It, it is a ruby red, which is transparent. You can kind of 
You can kind of see you through it. You can kind of see through it. Um, it's a really pretty color. Uh, the glass is warmed up enough. I'm seeing really pretty legs. What are, you, what are you getting on the nose, Josh? It has that really nice heart cherry, cranberry, earthiness. Currants. Not mm-hmm. quite the blackberry. Yeah, it's definitely red fruit. It's red fruit. Yeah, I can um, see some like red currants going on. Not a whole lot of earthy characteristic to it, but there's definitely some there. And then I, I get on the, on, sort of on the back end, I took a little quick taste. Sort of on the back end, you get that really drying out. Your mouth is savoring, warning the next drink. Uh, let me remind everybody what I, what I got snacked. I wanted Wienerschnitzel. And to our German listeners, I just explained there was only one Pinot Noir in the liquor store. Right. There was no veal in two grocery stores that I went to. Which ones you go to? The infamous Kroger's. <laughs> yeah. And the non-so-infamous Edwards. Oh, you should have gone. Edwards has pretty much the best meats in town in my book. And so I thought they would have it. But I guess nobody had it. My point to this is we're going to struggle to have German food and German wine in Little Rock, Arkansas. We just aren't able to do that. So I have a pork schnitzel, and I have a twice-baked potato, and then I have the apple turnover. And we'll start, I think, Josh, when we start tasting, we'll start with the the pork. Okay. So this is a really pretty wine. Like, it smells. It's got, it's got all those dried floral notes that you want in a good open Pinot Noir. It smells like a New World Pinot Noir to me. Like, it smells like it could be, like, Oregon or California. It's just got that vibrancy, very fruit-forward. Willamette Valley would stand up to, you know, a blind tasting of this one versus Willamette Valley. I think, you know, if you really weren't a good blind taster, you wouldn't realize which was new and which was old world. Yeah, and I wonder, interesting to me. So, Fabergunder is newer to being grown in Germany. Thank you, Global Warming. Thank you, Al Gore. Because the German winemaking regions are near the, the most northern point of where you're going to grow wine. Just because of the climate. Between the Rhine River and the low-lying Hardet mountain range. Yeah. Where they're located. When we talk, We've talked about Champagne before. We've talked about Alsace. We're looking along those same latitude lines around the 50th parallel, which is kind of the most northern point for winemaking. But due to global warming, while they can grow wine, now they're able, now they're able to grow wines that like warmer climates, like Pinot yeah. Noir, yeah. Um, you know, which is grown down in Burgundy. So it's a, it's a newer thing, from my understanding. It's a, it's a newer grape to the German winemaker's portfolio. Well, this estate was founded in, in 1849. That's uh, 400 years after your Riesling was founded. Mm. So, yeah, that, I think that's your point, right? I doubt that they were growing Pinot Noir back in the 1800s. Uh, probably not. That, that's more my point. The, the climate okay. change in, you know, in the last 20, 30 years, allowing for that to come through. So, uh, like Josh said, this is really pretty wine. Price point on it. Got it on Wine Wednesday, and it was, even with Wine Wednesday, is about $40. But that's not bad, because a Pinot Noir from Willamette Valley would be about the same thing. A good one would. 
You keep wanting to say damn it, don't you? I do. I'm trying <laughs> to hold back. <laughs> what? Okay, damn it. <laughs> I just felt like this Willamette Valley. Uh, <laughs> but most known of the Pinot Noir is from France. Oh, yeah. Burgundy. Yeah, from Burgundy. So this is definitely very different than a Burgundian. Burgundian, but it's it's along the styles of an... It's really good. It goes well with the... I've been eating on them. Try the, the schnitzel. And, you know, the schnitzel is lightly breaded and fried. Pan fried, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it has that good kind of crusty, bready flavor with that nice, supple pork. And the Pinot Noir goes really, really well with it. Kind of gives it some extra. It's almost like if you had a sauce with it. Like that Pinot Noir kind of acts like that sauce to go with it. But it's really good. Well, traditionally, if you were going to use the pork like I did, you would probably have a mushroom gravy over the top of it if you were in Germany. Mm. But... Like I said, I couldn't find veal. That's really what I wanted to do. Should have looked at, at Fresh Market. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen veal there or at Whole Foods. Yeah, I just ran out of time, Josh. <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about the about the wine and the the makers. So Rungut von Winning is the wine producer located in Flotz, region of Germany. Ah, the Faltz. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Yeah, I never know with a P F how it's pronounced. Faltz is Faltz is south. It's still it's still in the western part of Germany, but it's a little bit more it's more south than what we were talking about with the Mosul. When it says it can this area contains a rectangle of land forty five miles and fifteen miles wide. So that's that's a pretty large area. Yeah, for the region. Uh close to um Reinhaus. Hassan. Mm-hmm. Ryan Hassan. Yeah. Uh, that's the largest region for producing the quality wines of the, the QBA. So roughly 26,500 hectares. Say so that again? How much? 26,500. Wow, that's a big, big land. Right. Much bigger than what we've talked about before. So it, they've been, again, now, I, wrote, I read and I stated just a minute ago that it was 1849, but that was the winning family now this area has been growing great since but since uh 742 that's wow. what this says wow you know that's huge and then uh the city of worms dating back to 1402 that's uh, another record yeah so you know kind of so for you history folk we're talking about kind of the area we're talking about is where when the romans invaded the gauls Mm. the Celts and the Gauls and kind of took over. So they brought wine. They brought wine grapes to plant there um, because part of the Roman soldier's ration and pay was a certain amount of wine. So as they're moving over, taking new lands, they got to plant these grapes. Right. So they can make the wine because they can't, they can't get it all the way from Italy, all the way from Italy up into this new land that they're taking over. And what it says here is that the, the Riesling is 47% of the grape in that area. Okay, yeah. So Pinot Noir is only 8 Yeah. You know, and that, that kind of maybe adds to the price point of the wine. You know, it's much rarer, rarer than the Riesling. The way the grapes grow, they're in really tight clusters. So 
that makes it harder maybe to harvest and know exactly when that actual cluster mm. of grapes is really ripe enough because they're in really tight bunches. Yeah. Pinot Noir is a fickle grape. It's a fickle grape to grow from what I understand. There's a lot of, it's, it takes a lot of finesse and a lot of understanding to make a good Pinot Noir. And this is a good Pinot Noir. I would definitely say that it's maybe worth $40. Well, you know, it is what it is. So I've been eating on this twice baked potato while you've been talking. And What'd you uh, think? It's good. You know, the starch of the potato, fat of the cheese, the saltiness of the bacon that's in there goes really, really well with that Pinot Noir. It's not too much. It doesn't overpower it either. It just kind of gives it a, a good landing point to kind of continue on. Now, traditionally, you'd have a a potato that you boil and... Inside that cluster of the potato, you would have maybe a little bacon, some parsley, something like that. Or it might just have a crouton and parsley. So it's like a potato egg drop kind of thing. Yeah. That's what they do in Germany. Okay. It's kind of, you know, and the the twice-baked potato also brings out a little bit more of the fruity characteristic of the wine. And some of those extra, like, floral floral kind of note to it this is a it's a good representation of a pinot noir spucknick wines and spirits is the important but s-k-u-r-n-i-k okay german listeners help me out <laughs> s spell it again s-k-u-r-n-i-k skernick oh skernick yeah uh, skernick. Oh, okay so both of these wines are actually imported by skernick okay skernick skernick, skernick imports so sub-octoster where did i get that sput I don't know. You kept saying the p, and I'm like, there's no p in no. this. What are we talking about? No, Skernick. Yeah, Skernick is a is a good importer. They they find a lot of like small family run stuff and and bring it bring it to the state. They were incorporated in eighteen or excuse me, nineteen eighty seven by Michael Bur- Skernick. Hmm. Keep adding a p. I did. <laughs> Skernick. Skernick. So they have a long, you know, I went on this website earlier and they've got a long list of wines that they're importing. It was just amazing. Mm-hmm. They're a larger, they're a larger, one of the larger importers of wine to the United States and of good quality, of good quality wine. Now we talked about this a long time ago. One of the things that helps you as a, as a wine buyer, if you don't have a wine person in your shop yet and you don't know a label. If you start learning some of these importer groups like Skernick, mm-hmm. Hermit Lynch, and a couple of the others, and like um, Aquitaine, they're always going to have their name on the bottle. Right. It's usually on the back label. So if, if you're looking for something, if you want to know, hey, is this good quality? I don't know about it. I don't really want to pull out my phone and do the research. You can look and see, oh, well, this is imported by so-and-so. So I'm going to go ahead and give it a try because... I know, I trust that this importer is going to bring in good stuff. It's like these guys. They've got 500 different estates of wine that they're importing. Right. And so they've worked very hard to come up with the ones they feel like are worth importing and bringing in. Yeah. So what do you think of the baked potato? Well, it's like you said. The baked potato and, and the wine kind of bring some more of the sweetness out of the wine. In my, what I thought. It's very good. So I was trying to go totally German, you know, traditional German, but you end up with what you end up with, and still, 
it, it can be good. Yeah, and you know, we've talked about, you know, learning some of those principles of what goes well with what. Like, you know, my plate was a lot of sweet and heat. Mm-hmm. Sweet and heat go well together. You know, this one has a lot of bringing out some a lot of the floridity in the wines. Well, the starkness of the potatoes brings out that floridity of the wine and kind of the savor savorousness of the wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we and like I said, I've we've had this wine before and it's it's really it's really a good one. Yeah, you guys did this for uh, you guys did this with uh, some of your friends on a Zoom, didn't you? That's probably true. And the the wine bottle is pretty distinctive, and I never did really figure out why it says Pinot Noir Roman numeral two. That's what it says, and it's the Vaughn Winning Company. It's a purple, very artsy label, and this is the 2015 version. Yeah, head over to the Instagram and you'll see it. You'll see kind of what it looks like, and you know. So we've talked about some of those levels and, that, and like some of the dryness and stuff. So on the this label, it has. You know, it's 2015 Pinot Noir. It, said, it does say it's trocken, so it was picked when it was dry, and it's a Qualitas wine. So it has all those same kind of markers that we've talked about earlier. In the Riesling, yeah. Mm-hmm. Got, you know, it's from fault. has actually, like, all the, all the different information about, like, judged, how it was judged, where it was judged, and, you know, it's good. So it, it's rated... 90 of 100. By whom? By Venus Antonio Galeno. Galeno? G-A-L-G-A-L-O. G-A-L-L-O-N-I. And then a 16.5 of 20 with Venom Wine Magazine. Hmm. And both of them, this is a 2015, both of them say when to drink it. 2018 through 2025. Wow. So... I don't know what's going to happen in 2026 if the wine just explodes or something. <laughs> but this wine is, is good, and it may be that it's aging in that bottle like you described at the Riesling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wine will continue to age in the bottle, unlike liquor does. But 90 out of 100, I mean, that, to me, that's really pretty fantastic. Yeah. You know, that, the fruit characteristic of the wine goes really well with that apple turnover. I hadn't tried that yet. Yeah, the apple, the puff pastry, the sugar coating, like it goes really, really well with with, with that apple strudel or turnover. So, do you know what VDP is? So the the VDP is the. So it says they're a founding member of the VDP. It's a it's kind of a member group of growers that set quality levels for members. Oh, okay. Well, that that means it's pretty darn good, too. Mm. Mm-hmm. Why don't you go ahead and give that apple strudel a try? Or apple turnover a try? All right. Well, you, you tell everybody what you're thinking about it. That's really good. I just had it with some of the other, with the Riesling. And it brought out like a, lim, a really good lemony characteristic. Oh, really? Yeah, but with the Pinot Noir, you get a little bit more of the tart, kind of a tart acidic side of the wine, which goes, which is, goes pretty well with that overly sweet kind of taste that you're getting from the strudel. Or from the, I keep saying strudel, from the turnover. Well, that's what I was hoping for, a strudel. So. <laughs> but the strudel's not good. much different than this. Not really about lot. the same. Yeah. I think uh, there's some pastry differences, but it's, it's still apple filling in a 
Mm-hmm. And more, it's more than a pie crust. So, what do you think of the pairing? That's very good. Yeah. Thought you. What did you say about it? <laughs> that it was uh, sweet and sweet, or no? It brings out some more of the like bitter fruit. So, like the tart, the tartness of like the cranberry, a really tart cherry. It brings out some more of the acidic, acidic side of the wine, which goes really well with the sweetness of the wine. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, the sweetness of the food. Okay. Now the one great Vaughn winning, and I had that really huge number, and that was just the the Flotz region, Germany. But Vaughn winning area in that space has sixty four hectares, and he has eighty five percent of it planted in Riesling. Yeah. So I mean, like I said, the Riesling in that area is you know 65 to 85 percent in the false region right so what is sir lie josh do you know what that so is sir, sir lie is a sir, french term right? sir lee it's pronounced sir, sir lee. lee okay and it means it's rested on the lee now lees are the dead yeast after fermentation oh, okay so when things are aged usually in barrel uh, usually in, a lot of times it's a neutral barrel when they're aged sur lee, they're aged on the lees or those dead yeast for a time. Sometimes they'll come around and do what's called batonage, which means they'll come in and they'll stir those lees up mm-hmm. to kind of integrate it into the wine more. But that's, that's what that term means is on, on the lees or on the dead yeast. It brings kind of a bready, a little bit more body to a wine. And they don't, don't filter it, do they? Usually, usually before bottling, they will filter. Oh, okay. Or before they move it out of that bear, out of that fermentation vessel, they'll filter the lees out. So, like I said, um, Von Winnings, most of his acreage is Rieslings, and he uh, has top wines that come from fifty-year-old Riesling vine grown in chalky, volcanic, and sandstone soils. Wow. That sounds good. Yeah. Von Winning does some good stuff from what I've tried. So now the estate produces around 380,000 bottles per vintage. Now I guess that includes everything, the Riesling and the Pinot Noir. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> they're, they're a large producer down there. Well, let's see. What else What else do we have, Josh? Any questions for I, me? Or? I don't think I have any questions. I think... Uh, Everything was everything was really good. I think it's time to talk about our top our top pairs. Okay. What are, what were your favorites? With the Riesling, I really like you said it maybe it is made in heaven, but the Indian food and the Riesling, they just go so well together. Yeah. The spicy lamb vindaloo. If you can right. find goat vindaloo it'd work really well as, yeah. too. And then what what do you think of that? I think Riesling and the food pairing. You know, it was really tough. The lamb vindaloo went really well. But I think on this plate, because it was it was spicier, that hatch chili, the green hatch chili mac and cheese was really, was was the star because it showed off the wine in such a different way mm-hmm. than any of the other food did. Well, I think if you had had the mac and cheese second, I'm not sure if the Indian food would have been my first pick. Right. Because like you said, the pepper, and like, well, I think like I said earlier, 
I thought I was getting hot from the Indian food into the mac and cheese. But when I found out there was peppers in there, I realized, oh, well, this this is kind of a hot pepper pairing as well. Mm-hmm. What about the Pinot Noir and the snacks I had? What I, was your time? My favorite was the schnitzel. The schnitzel and the Pinot Noir. Yeah. It bringing that element of adding its own sauce to it was really, really fascinating to me. What about you? It's a toss-up. <laughs> the twice-baked potato. Yeah. I think is is my top. Okay. I mean, you can't go wrong with the apple turnover. Right. So why was why was the potato your favorite? Because like we both said earlier, that start of the potato brought out some really different flavors of the wine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Didn't you get that? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. we coming up on a blind. I think we're ready to we're ready to head to the blind. Well, let's get it ready. All right, let's get this tasting going. I'm using a tasting grid that was developed by a former boss of mine, Jennifer Hendrickson, who's currently working at Domain Serene. All right, so uh, this is a red wine. It is a moderate intensity of ruby color, kind of going out to a watery meniscus. It is, I can see through it. I can actually read my notes through <laughs> through the wine. Well, that's cool. And uh, there's kind of some secondary colors of like some light magenta. It is very cold. I'm going to warm it up a little bit. I meant pull it out. Sorry, Josh. It's <laughs> all right. And there's definitely some earthy characteristics to it. It's like dried and cooked fruit, like red and black fruit. It's not showing a whole lot, so I'm going to come back to the nose after I get a little taste and it warms up a little bit. Yeah, I didn't get anything on the nose either. It's so cold. Ooh. On the taste, this is a clean wine. It's a moderate intensity. Uh, acid is medium to medium minus. Alcohol, probably medium to medium plus. Aren't a whole lot of tannins on it from what I can tell um, currently. Maybe a little bit of teeth tannin. Would you say it's clean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely no faults in this wine. Ooh, there's tannin. Yeah. I'm going to move that acid call from medium minus to medium plus. Tannins are definitely medium to medium plus. Kind of more red fruit driven, kind of getting some strawberry, some cherry, a little bit of tart cranberry going on. Uh, it's uh, tart and fresh. Some There's some kind of like a little bit of cooked element to it. Uh-oh. I didn't store it in the attic, Josh. No, it's not not that kind of cooked. Oh. The fruit seems like it's cooked. The flavor of cooked fruit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Very red fruit, not a, a little bit of earth going on, not a whole lot of minerality. Definitely some baking spices going on, some cinnamon, some not really cinnamon. Take that back. Clove, nutmeg. So there's some barrel usage here. It's a pretty lean texture, kind of like runs straight through you, kind of medium bodied, medium to light bodied. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's a nice one. It's really nice now that it's warming up. It's showing a lot more. Definitely red fruit. Definitely ripe. Um, strawberry, cherry, a little bit of like, kind of like a little bit of current, a little bit of greenness, almost like a little bit of can- candiness to it as well. Kind of some wet rock minerality. On, I'm going back to the nose now. Some little bit of wet rock minerality. A yeah, bit I of, think it's warmed up enough. I'll get some nose on it. A little bit of floridity, some kind of like a light vegetalness, but it's way back there. Okay, so I'm going to say that this is an old world wine. Okay. It's coming from a moderate climate 
possible grapes include Pinot Noir, Gamay, uh, Tempranillo, Tempranillo Grenache. That's pretty Mavedra, wide, right? No. Well, it's the initial. I'm yeah, supposed we're, to be broad. We're I'm supposed down. to be broad. Possible countries: France, Spain, Italy. Could be San Giovese. Throw that in there as a possibility. Um, I think the age range on this is between five and ten years old. I let me taste the final taste of this. Well, it's not a big cab, right? <laughs> it is definitely not a big cab. <laughs> That's what it's not. It's not a Riesling because it's red. Okay. I'm going to say that this is a Gamay from France, from Beaujolais. I'm even going to go and say that it is from Morgan. I think it is a 2015 final answer. It is. Read all that, John. So I think it's a 2015 Morgan, which is a Gamay-based wine from, from the Beaujolais region of France. All right. There you have it. Come back next week and find out. Yeah, and uh, next week's going to be pretty cool. Uh, we have Marie being a special guest on with us. Yeah, she's back. She brought us some Seattle beers from Fremont Brewing. One right. Of her favorite, one of her favorite local brews up there before she moved. And she is bringing a fresh hop beer, which we right. don't get around here. Right. I'm going to be tasting their Fest beer, or their Oktoberfest. And then, Dad, what are you tasting? I'm doing Black is Beautiful, their stout. Yeah, really cool Imperial stout with a great story. So uh, I hope you come next week and find out if I was right or wrong on the blind. And then check out some great Fremont beers and uh, get to hear from Marie again, who was on our family Thanksgiving family cocktail podcast. And um, it'll be a great time. We wish you a happy New Year. That's yes. when this one will this will post on New Year's Eve. Yes, I hope those of you that listen on Thursday have a great New Year's Eve, and afterwards, everybody had a great holiday season and a happy New Year. And don't forget to follow us on all the socials. Give us a like, uh, rate us on your podcast platform. Um, don't forget to subscribe if you really like us. We're checking some analytics stuff. If you're following us on uh, Spotify, see if there's a way to subscribe and your other platforms to go ahead and fully to fully subscribe to us so you can make sure you get us every week we come out. Reach out to us on all the socials. Uh, great to hear from you guys. Tell all your friends. Yeah, exactly. Or uh, have a, now that the vaccine's coming out, maybe we can, you can start having tastings uh, with, uh, with your friends and listening to us and kind of chit-chat about it. But it'll be a great fun time. So once again, I'm Josh Mills. And I'm John Mills. And we'll see you next time. Thank you and goodbye.